this word. We thank you that your word is alive. It's full of power. Every time we open it, there's life for us. And Father, we just thank you that we'll receive that this morning. Our hearts are open, our minds are open, and our spirits are open. And Father, we just pray that you would cause us to grow today, grow in our love for you, grow in our relationship with you, grow in our devotion to you, our consecration. Father, we just thank you so much. As we hear this message on refocusing, Father, I thank you that you'll speak to us individually and you'll help us, Father, to put things into the right priorities and to help us to really be those people who are prepared and ready for your return. We thank you for it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to go over to Psalm 84, and you can go there with me. We are going to read the whole psalm. It's a beautiful psalm. It's a psalm of devotion and love. It's a psalm that has such passion in it, even from the very beginning to the end. Um, it has a, a passion for the Lord, for his house, for his presence. And we're going to draw keys out of this psalm today that will help us. So let's just start out by reading Psalm 84. It says, How lovely are your tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul yearns, yes, even pines, and is homesick for the courts of my Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out and sing for joy to the living God. Yes, the sparrow has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are those who dwell in your house and your presence. They will be singing your praises all the day long. Selah, pause and calmly think of that. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Passing through the valley of weeping, Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also fills the pools with blessing. They go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. Each of them appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Pause and calmly think of that. Behold our shield as the king your agent. O God, you look and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper and stand at the threshold of the house of my God than to dwell at ease in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows present grace and favor and future glory, honor, splendor, and heavenly bliss. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Lord of hosts, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man who trusts in you. Leaning and believing on you, committing all, and confidently looking to you, and that without fear or misgiving. No misgiving. God is good. God is good. And this psalmist knows that. And I love how personal and intimate this psalm is. He says, my soul yearns for you. And as we look at how to refocus this morning, we're looking at devotion and commitment and consecration and the intimacy that we can have with the Lord. 
And really, you know, that's what Pastor Mark's been talking about. He's been talking about following the Holy Spirit and this dance that we have with him where he moves and we move and it's just the slightest little touch and, and he moves us in a new direction. And it doesn't have to be shouting at us, but we're responsive to him. And I love, I see that in this psalm. He's very responsive. But we're going to draw three things out of this psalm today that we're going to talk about that'll help us in our walk with the Lord. It'll help us in our sensitivity. It'll help us in our devotion to the Lord. And you could call them key ingredients. You could call them three habits. But they are praise, prayer, and gratitude. This psalm is absolutely full of praise, prayer, and gratitude. And so we're going to talk about those today. In fact, you could say that these are keys to success or maybe the competitive advantage. You could say that. You could say they're the X factor in a Christian's life. When we talk about praise, prayer, and gratitude, you know what the X factor is. It's something that sets you apart. It's something that makes you special. And these do for us because they really help us in life. You could say they're the critical success factor or the essential ingredient for success. But you could also say it's our special sauce, right? It's our special sauce. Remember that commercial, to all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun? If you're older, you remember it. <laughs> but uh, it was a, a commercial about a Big Mac, to all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. And, you know, that's what keeps you coming back. It's the special sauce. Well, Dan today, you know, he, he just ruined everything. He said, you know that's just Thousand Island dressing. Like, no, it's special sauce. It's the secret ingredient. That's what it is. But it keeps you coming back for the Big Mac, right? That's what keeps us coming back. Or you could say Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, they have that secret spice. Nobody knows the spice blend, not unless you own the company. But we know that it's good, and we know that we keep coming back. We like it because so, there's a secret spice blend. Or the bushes of beans. You know, only the dog knows the secret. <laughs> so unless you speak dog, you're not going to know it. <laughs> but there are those things. And they really uh, set the product apart. But I'm telling you, these things, praise, prayer, and gratitude, they set the Christian apart. So we can be in the world and not of the world. We can be here in a place where everything can look like it's going wrong, and yet our life is going right. Do you notice that about the psalmist? Everything was going right for him. But it's not because of circumstance. It's because of his heart attitude. It's because of where his heart was set, and it was set on the Lord. So let's talk about praise. Praise is really about setting our heart on the Lord. And praise is what gets us through the storm. We're going to have an opportunity tonight to praise the Lord. And I just encourage you, it's not a time to stay back. It's a time to come forward. It's a time to bring people. It's a time to come and bask in his presence, sit in his presence, absorb what God is and who he is into our life as we praise him. It's a time of building. And Isaiah 61, let's see, starting in verse 3, it says this. It says, to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion. There's a place of mourning, but there's a place of joy. And the place of joy is in his presence. And it says, to give them an ornament, a garland, a diadem of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, 
the garment expressive of praise instead of a heavy, burdened, and failing spirit. You know, the world is full of people with a failing spirit. And the Bible tells us in the last days there'll be even more, that their hearts fail them for fear. But there is something given to us, and it's a garment of praise. And we can literally put it on like a garment. You know, as I look out over everybody today, you look so nice because you put on your nice church clothes. You put on garments that you came into the presence, you got yourself ready. Or maybe someone suggested that you put that on. Well, you did good because you did it. <laughs> but the psalm is full of suggestions of how we can praise him, of who he is. And when we put on this garment expressive of praise, it says that we do that instead of a heavy, burdened, and failing spirit. We have the choice. We can put on the garment of praise. And then it says, that they may be called. So there's a result. That they may be called the oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So when we put on the garment of praise, it sets us apart. It causes us to be steady, fixed, firm, Oaks of righteousness. What a picture is that? You know, if you saw the tornadoes that hit Denver, we saw some of those really huge trees like blown over. But you know what? Your life cannot be blown over if it's rooted in him. And praise helps us to do that. So a new garment he has given us, and it's a garment of praise. So wherever the enemy has tried to destroy our life, wreck things, tear things apart... We can put on that garment of praise. And how do we do it? Well, we do it with our mouth. We really put it on with words. We lift our praises to him. So in hard times, you know, where maybe we are trapped in fear or offense or we've had a tragedy happen or maybe we're walking through a hard place, what do we do? Well, we don't talk about the hard time. We flip it around. We begin to talk about who God is in the situation. We begin to talk about what he did before, how he'll do it again. We begin to talk about uh, how he's faithful, and he's always been faithful to us. You know, there was a time where I was walking through some difficult things with people in my life. And, you know, praying for people and praying for relationships to be restored. So I didn't just talk about that. No, I kept bringing it to the Lord. I kept praying for them. I kept praising him that he was working in their heart and he was working in my heart. And guess what? Before you know it, situations turn around. Before you know it, that heavy, burdened, failing spirit becomes lifted. And we have that garment of praise that we're wearing. And people can see that garment of praise on our life. So it's important that we wear it because it's part of our testimony. It's part of us showing others how strong our God is, how good our God is, how faithful our God is. So in hard times, you know, we're often uh, having this question, well, why God? Why God? Why did you do this? Why did this happen? Why weren't you here? Why God? Well, those are the wrong questions to ask. Why God? makes us question his character. Why God is never the right question to ask. The question we need to ask is, what do I do now? Where do I go now? What do you have for me next, Lord? And I guarantee you, that question will start opening doors. 
that question will bring wisdom to your life. When we praise him and we lift our hands and we start looking to him instead of looking for the whys, why is never the right question, you know? Uh, it leads us into places where we should not go, where there are no answers. But there are answers, and answers begin as we praise him. Our spirit is open. When he begins to speak to our heart and heal our heart, a lot of those whys will be answered at some point. But we never want to let the whys separate us from his presence. We always want to come into his presence with praise. And that's what this person did. Whoever wrote this psalm, it says it's written by uh, a psalm of the sons of Korah. But whoever it was, they were going through something. It says in verse 6, passing through the valley of weeping. So that's a hard place. But they didn't say, why, God? Nope. it said they make it a place of springs. Early rain also fills the pools with blessings. We can't get stuck in the why. You know, sometimes we get stuck in the why for someone else. Well, why did that happen? Well, why, why in my family? Why this? Why that? No, we want to move into praising God, letting him be the healer that he is. You know, when we praise him as the healer, he comes in with healing. When we praise him because he's prospered us, prosperity comes. When we praise him for the wisdom that he has, wisdom comes. We want to praise him. God inhabits the praises of his people. So I read this recently. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, said this. Because praise is about loving him. It's about being filled in his presence. And it says this, said this, said, God made us, invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. I love that. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it's not there. It is him who fills our life. And in the hard times, we start to figure out he is Lord of all and he's my all in all. And that's what this psalm is communicating to us. He is our all in all. So wherever we are, when I praise him, I become that blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied individual. Why? Because I'm focused on him. It takes refocusing, refocusing our life on him. One person said this. They said, praise is the music of a healthy soul. I love that. You can be having a hard time and yet praise him and be healthy because you're moving through it. Praise is the music of a healthy soul. Well, second thing that we see in this psalm is prayer. Prayer. And what kind of prayer am I talking about? Am I talking about, oh, God, I pray this will be over soon? <laughs> Not that kind of prayer. <laughs> Not talking about, oh, when will things get better? No, I'm talking about Holy Spirit-led prayer that Pastor Mark began talking about last week. 
Holy Spirit-led prayer, where our spirit is connecting to his spirit, that deep unto deep kind of prayer, where we begin to uh, pray things out, the kind of prayer that builds you up from the inside out. We begin to pray things out that will actually change and improve our future. Not a prayer wondering why things are, but a prayer that will actually change the things that are. And that's what will get us through the storm. Go with me over to John 16, 13. John 16, 13. It says this. It says in verse 12, actually. John 16, verse 12. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you are not able to hear, to bear them, or to take them upon you, or grasp them. But when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, the whole full truth. See, Jesus was the original person that said, you can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth, but there will be a day when I'm sending the Holy Spirit and you'll be able to handle it. Why? Because he speaks truth for our situation that we're in right now to our situation when we need it. Jesus said, I just got so many things to tell you, and they're all true, and you can't even handle it all right now. Like, the books couldn't contain it. But I'm giving you the Holy Spirit who will be with you. He will live in you. He'll talk to you every day. He'll give you truth for every situation. And this truth is the truth that puts us over. So we don't have to be stuck in what the world says is truth. No, we lean to the truth of the Holy Spirit. It says he will not speak his own message from his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are, are to come and that will happen in the future. You know, he doesn't just give us answers for right now. He helps us to pray things out so that we can walk into those answers, so that we can continue in those answers. And how does that happen? Well, 1 Corinthians 14.2 tells us this. For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths, hidden things, not obvious to the understanding. See, anybody can see what's obvious, but it takes a person of the Spirit to see into the future, to be able to pray out things that are in the future. And he says here, when we pray in an unknown tongue, we're not speaking to men, but to God. And we're praying secret truths and hidden things. And one translation says mysteries. Well, Pastor Mark brought out that mysteries that are prayed out can be walked out. We want to walk out those mysteries. That's why he lets us pray even future things. When we begin to pray in the Spirit, we begin to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. We begin to hear those answers. We begin to move into the realm of answers. And that's really what we need when we're going through difficult times. We need answers. So things that are prayed out can be walked out. And not only that, when you pray out mysteries, you plant seeds for your future. When you pray out things that the Holy Spirit is giving you from his knowledge, we're praying out things for the future. Amplified even said that. We pray out even future things. Well, Romans 8.26 says this, 
so too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness, for we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. So God helps us. Where are we weak? Well, a lot of times we don't know. We don't know why we're in the situation we're in. But when we begin to pray in the Spirit, we enter the realm of answers. And he says, I'm going to bear you up in that weakness. You don't know what prayer to offer, but I do. I know where you're going, and I'm going to take you there if you'll pray it out. When we pray out things, we don't have to figure out things. And that's good, because we can't figure it all out anyway. So we don't want to figure out things. We want to pray out things. The Bible tells us, lift up your eyes to where comes from your help. Your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He made it all. He knows where we're going, and he knows how to get us there. And we can have our part in prayer. Our part is prayer. So as I was getting ready for this message on Friday night, I was uh, thinking about these things and thinking about praying in the Spirit and, you know, just how much it's really saved my life. I love being able to pray in the Spirit. God lifts me to a place that's not just of me, it's of Him. He lifts me up. He honors me with bringing me to His level to pray. And I started thinking about it, and I sent a text to one of my friends, Dr. Avery Jackson. So Dr. Avery Jackson is a neurosurgeon. He knows a lot more about the brain than anybody I know. <laughs> a lot more than I know. And I sent him a text, and I said, I have a curious question that maybe you can help me with. What happens in our brain when we're praying in other tongues? And he said, sent me back a text and said, do you have time to talk? So I said, oh, yes, this is going to be good. <laughs> this is going to be really good. So we, we uh, spoke on the phone, and this is what he shared. Let me share a few things that he said. He said, science is one of God's languages. And in fact, science helps us to understand God. God created us for so many things. And prayer in the spirit is no small thing, he said. He said, Dr. Andrew Newberg in 2006 did a study on individuals who were praying in other tongues. He actually put them in a spec scanner to see the brain activity, and he found that their blood flow and their brain activity was very different than normal. When thinking, speaking, and praying normally, the part of the brain that is active is the frontal lobe. But when we pray in other tongues, they found that the parietal lobe and other parts of the brain were lit up and active. Now, these are the parts of the brain that are the receptive parts of the brain. So the frontal lobe, when you're thinking, when you're trying to figure it out, that's the part of your brain that's active. But he said, that's the uh, part of the brain that is at rest when you're praying in other tongues. So Dr. Avery said that the brain is in a state of learning and receiving when we pray in other tongues. And that was proven on this brain scan as they were uh, praying in other tongues. He said, you're not thinking of what you will say. You're receiving what you speak. And because of the parts of the brain that are at rest, we literally should not be able to make sound or words. 
and yet we are yielding to the Holy Spirit and he is praying through us. It's a scientifically proven interface with the Holy Spirit. Prayer in other tongues is a vocal miracle. You know, I loved that. <laughs> when he shared that, I loved that because it's exactly, I'm receiving. I'm not thinking of what I'm going to pray. I'm receiving and I'm letting God pray through me. And as he prays, he's touching areas. He's moving into the future. He's praying about people and hearts and situations and lives and my tragedy and how that affected somebody else and this. And, and he's putting it all together. He's healing the world as we pray in other tongues. And all we do is receive and be obedient to let that voice come forth. And it's important that we let the voice come forth because God moves on his word. When he gives us the prayer in other tongues, we're speaking his word over the situation. And he moves on his word. So praise God for that. Well, then there's Dr. Carl Peterson. Dr. Carl Peterson said this, as we engage in our heavenly language, the brain releases two chemical secretions that are directed to our immune systems, giving 35 to 40% boost in the immune system. So that's pretty awesome. It actually improves our health. He says, this promotes healing within our bodies. Amazingly, this secretion is triggered from a part of the brain that has no other apparent activity in humans and is only activated by spirit-led prayer and worship. Wow. Have you ever heard that, that we use such a small percentage of our brain in our daily life? Well, there are other parts of our brain that God says, um, I need to use that right now. <laughs> As you pray, I'm going to use your brain, <laughs> and we're going to do something. I like that. <laughs> well, then he said this, as we exercise our life in the spirit by speaking in our heavenly language that he has put within us, we are touching the supernatural power of God, and we are letting him restore a part of us that was lost. You know, I'm pretty sure that we were created for so much more and that part of our brain was the part that was separated from his presence. And God says, no, I need to do something to reactivate that. He's healing our relationship. He's restoring things as we pray in the spirit. But then he went on to say this. Dr. Carl Peterson said, we know from the word of God that there is true joy that builds and sustains. And Nehemiah tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. There is joy in the presence of Jehovah. We as believers, having entered into that wonderful presence of the Lord, know this to be true. What we must continue to remember is that the joy of the Lord spoken of in the word is so much more than any manifestation. You know, sometimes we look at the manifestations of the Holy Spirit and we think, that's awesome. Oh, I just want to move with God like that. That's awesome. But guess what? when he lifts your heart because you're praying in other tongues and he restores joy to your life and he builds you, well, that is as much and even more from what he's saying. God is, God is doing something amazing and miraculous in us. And then he says, we can truly have that unspeakable joy in the face of any trials we may encounter if our joy is grounded in a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's what I see in Psalm 84. I see that he's rooted, he's grounded, 
He's firm. He's fixed on who the Lord is and his love for the Lord. So cool. Well, Jude 1.20 tells us this, but you, beloved, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith, make progress, rise like an edifice higher and higher, praying in the Spirit. Guard and keep yourselves in the love of God. Expect and patiently wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, which will bring you unto life eternal. See, as we pray in other tongues, we're being guarded in the love of God. We're building an expectancy. We're building a, a love for him to where we can wait for his coming and, and live like children of God in the meantime. He says we're building ourselves, founded on our most holy faith, making progress, rising higher and higher. I love that. It's like this picture that we have for this God Help Me series where he's on that mountaintop and we're just going from mountaintop to mountaintop because we're praying in other tongues because we're being strengthened. And in this psalm, it says we go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. But see, God knew that. He gave us a way to do that, prayer in other tongues. And science has proven the Bible true once again. <laughs> Don't you love that? I know. And then there's gratitude. Gratitude changes our focus from us to him. It changes our focus. And what are we talking about? God help me refocus. God help me refocus. Notice how many times he says in this psalm, blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied, is the person who's going through something right now, but his eyes are on the Lord. And when our eyes are on the Lord, our situation changes. It's a refocus. So I pulled this off of WebMD about gratitude. Yes, WebMD. <laughs> it says, it, is always, it isn't always possible to change your circumstances, but you can change where you focus your mind and heart. What is gratitude? Gratitude is being aware and thankful for the good things you have. These good things are not necessarily material possessions. They can be a relationship, a situation, or anything positive in your life. Gratitude is a feeling that might come to you spontaneously, but it's also a daily practice that you can cultivate. Choosing to count your blessings and taking time to be grateful for the good things in your life. And you know what? I think that this psalmist had done that. I think that they made a choice of gratitude over and over and over again until it became an unconscious choice, until it became so natural that now all they do is praise the Lord. Well, looks like bad news. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, one of our friends used to say, whenever bad news would come, they'd say, well, the hits just keep on coming. And Mark, after a few bad things, said, you know, you really ought not to say that anymore. <laughs> You're kind of calling it into being. <laughs> Maybe you should say, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Well, that's what they started saying. And you know what? It was amazing how things started turning around. You know, the hits just stopped coming. <laughs> and their life began to show that they were grateful to God for what he was doing for the Lord is good 
and his mercy endures forever. He is good. The impact of gratitude, well, WebMD says this, the practice of gratitude can have a significant positive effect on both physical and psychological health. Some of the benefits of gratitude include better sleep, we could all use that, better immunity, so gratitude and praying in other tongues helps our immunity. Higher self-esteem, decreased stress, lower blood pressure, less anxiety and depression, stronger relationships, and higher levels of optimism. Gratitude does a lot of things. So these are key ingredients. We're saying this is the secret sauce of a Christian's life who's happy, blessed, walking with the Lord. Well, it's a practice. Do you notice that? It's a practice to put on the garment of praise. It's a practice to prayer. And it's a practice to practice gratitude. We have to do it. So it's called consecration or devotion. And consecration isn't always about setting aside something bad, but it is setting aside something that's lesser for something that's greater. You know, and I told this story about how I just recently drove to Lake Powell, and I drove this time, which I don't always drive. Sometimes Pastor Mark is driving, and I'm the passenger. And so before we run out of cell phone service, I'm like doing things on my phone and maybe even just looking at Facebook or doing something, and I haven't looked up for a long time. And I was noticing this time when we went to Lake Powell, like there were flowers everywhere and the scenery is beautiful. And I was just overcome. And I thought, oh man, it is just so pretty this time. And it was like God was saying to me, no, it's pretty all the time. <laughs> You've just chosen the lesser over the greater. You've chosen the lesser. You've chosen to put your eyes on something different but it's always been this beautiful. Do you know that God is always good? He's always great. And we can choose to look at the lesser or we can choose to look at the greater. So consecration isn't just about stopping something that's wrong. It's about choosing what's better and what's the best. Consecration means putting our will down for his will. You know, Jesus did that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He put down the lesser, which was his will, for the greater, which was God's will. And that affected every one of us. But I'll tell you, when we do it, our life becomes an example of God's goodness. And we get to reach people with a power, just like Jesus did. The number one reason that people left the church, that I was reading that statistic a couple weeks ago from 2020 uh, here, was shifting priorities. But you know what? It works both ways. Shifting priorities can bring you back into the church, too. Shifting priorities can cause us to put him first. Shifting priorities can cause us to step into that place where we're powerful as well. So we want to get our priorities right. Psalm 84 is helping us with that because we're looking at how wonderful God is. Philippians 1.9 I want to go over there. He says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development in knowledge and all keen insight, that your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment, so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent 
and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best and distinguishing the moral differences, that you may be untainted and pure and unerring and blameless, so that with hearts sincere and certain and unsullied, you may approach the day of Christ, not stumbling nor causing others to stumble. See, he's talking to us about our priorities. When we have our priorities right, we recognize, we sense what is vital, and we approve and prize that. We put it first. You know, the Bible tells us in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. And I was just thinking about, you know, how this is where we put our life. When we put our life and our family in serving him, God adds everything else. We're not lacking. It doesn't hurt us one bit to do what we were made for. <laughs> we were made to be the body, to be part of the church. God made us for each other. God made us to serve him and love him and worship him. And it doesn't hurt us or hinder us to step into that with our whole heart. And that's what this psalmist did. In Psalm 84, I love that he did that. It's a psalm of devotion and putting our priorities right. It's prayer and praise and gratitude. And these are the key ingredients we said. They're the secret sauce. But really, when we see it, these things drew him into love with his Savior, drew him into love, into that place of intimacy that Pastor Mark's been talking to us about. And they're three super simple things, but they are decisions. We do decide it. So we were watching Family Feud the other night, and, uh, and I love what this scripture says in Philippians 1.9. It'll cause us to be ready for his coming, not stumbling and not causing others to stumble. So we were watching Family Feud, not because we chose or like love that show, but because there was absolutely nothing else on, on the 200 channels that we have on our TV. <laughs> so as we're flipping through, because we had time, uh, I said, oh, just stop on Family Feud. Sometimes that's funny. So, so we were watching Family Feud, and Steve Harvey asks this question. It's this, the lightning round or the speed round, whatever it is. And the question is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how happy were you on your wedding day? So we're talking about being ready for his coming. And you know when he comes, he's coming for a bride. We're talking about our wedding day. When he comes, he's coming for us, the bride. And how wonderful it is when your bride is totally in love with you, right? So this question comes up, how happy were you on your wedding day? And the girl, you know, she's thinking, and she goes, uh, eight. <laughs> and I thought, you were only eight happy on your wedding day? Well, what was the problem? I want to know what was hindering. But then the guy comes out, and he goes, six. <laughs> and I thought, he's in trouble. Oh, he's in big trouble. He was only six happy? I mean, that's just like, that's, that's barely above average. <laughs> it was an average day for him. Like, not super excited to get married. But, you know, if you ask Christians, how excited are you that Jesus is coming back? Okay, we got the right response. <laughs> Some people are like, four. I have a lot of things I want to do. I'm not looking forward to that. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know. I'm not sure. No, the truth is, we need to be 10. 
And so when Steve Harvey said the most popular answer was 10, I was like, of course. <laughs> Who says six? Who says? <laughs> I was only a little excited, you know, but there's been other better days. No, <laughs> this is the best. This is the best. So we want to live ready. And you know what? These habits will help us to live ready and be ready. It's a bad thing to have to get ready. You know, I always told my kids this. I hate clutter and I hate messes. And I would say, we don't want our house to be in a state where we would be embarrassed if somebody came over. So we want to keep our house clean to the place where if somebody pops in on us, if somebody comes over, we're not embarrassed. Because I would be embarrassed by the way they were keeping their rooms and stuff, you know, I would be embarrassed. But the truth is, we want to live ready for Jesus. We want to live ready. We don't want to not be ready when he comes. That was the place. Remember the story about the ten virgins? That was the place of those five virgins. They were just not ready. We analyze and, and you know, what's the story all about? What's the story about? They weren't ready. <laughs> that was it. They weren't ready when the bridegroom came. And not being ready is not a good thing. So what do we need to do? We need to be totally in love with him, in love with our Savior. And here's the one thing that I was uh, noticing as well. Praise, prayer, and gratitude. They plant seeds. They plant seeds in the dry times so that those seeds will come up in the, the prosperous times. You know, Psalm 126 says this, it says, they, they who sow in tears shall reap in joy and singing. He who goes forth bearing seed and weeping at needing his precious supply of grain for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So earlier in the spring, there was something on the news, and when I saw it, it was just beautiful. And I, so I took a picture, and I sent it to Mark. He was at work, and I sent it to him. I said, guess what's happening in California? It's the super bloom. You know, California's deserts are just full of seeds, but nobody knows they're there. Because in the dry times, they're not blooming, and you can't see what's happening under the soil. But when all that rain came to California, all those seeds began to bloom. And so they called it the super bloom. And so there were people walking through these fields of poppies, and they were everywhere. And on the news, they're saying that, you know, officials are telling people, do not walk through the poppies. Well, everyone was. You couldn't help yourself because it was so incredible. I mean, it was so wonderful and beautiful. And it was like a, an experience to walk through that. I wanted to go there just to walk through the poppies. But the thing was, those seeds aren't always seen. And when we praise and prayer and when we plant seeds of gratitude, they will come up. And that's what causes our life to bloom. This person who wrote Psalm 84, their life was not just so wonderful. No, they chose to look at him, to refocus. Wow. So Jen Tringale, in her latest podcast, Paige sent it to me, and it was so good. She said this. She said, in 2023, speak to seeds that are buried in the deep and call them to emerge. You know, I just believe everything that God's been telling us, he wants some amazing things to happen. We need to be active with praise, prayer, and gratitude 
and speaking to those seeds, speaking to them. So this morning, it's a consecration message. It's a message about refocusing. It's a message about finishing strong. It's a message about being ready for the bridegroom when he comes. It's a message about falling in love with him again. If we are lax in any way, I hope it stirs us to just get back into his presence, get into his word. You have an opportunity tonight to do that. We're going to come and just love him. It's going to be awesome. So come tonight and do that. But I'll tell you, if you need the refocus today, then this is a gift for you. There you go. Merry Christmas, happy birthday, happy anniversary, whatever it is. But this is a gift for you because we get to refocus our hearts on him. And it's a wonderful place when we do. In fact, our lives, as the psalmist said, will be blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man whose strength is in you in whose heart are the highways to Zion. God's so good to us. He gave us a way to be strong in every season. Amen? Well, why don't you stand up? Before we go, we just want to pray this prayer of salvation for anybody in the room, but also online, or, you know, if you're, if you're watching uh, maybe even a later time, you might pray this prayer. You might say, I do need to refocus. I need to refocus my heart and my life on him with salvation. I need to have him be the center of my life, my all in all. And if you're in that place today, then I invite you to pray together with us. We're all going to pray the same prayer. But if you do pray this prayer, make sure that you come up and you talk to our altar care team. They'll be up here and they'll minister to you. They'll give you some books about salvation and this wonderful thing that you're entering into. And I also want to give this invitation. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, now that we know the power of praying in other tongues, oh my goodness, it's worship. It's waiting on Him and in His presence, just loving Him. But it's worship too. When they came out of the upper room in the book of Acts, it says they were praising and magnifying God in other languages. How wonderful is that? But it's also warfare. We plant for our future. We tear things down and we build things up as we pray. And it's a wonderful kind of prayer that he has given us in this New Testament church. So if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, make sure you come up to the altar care team as well, and they will pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's pray together. Say, Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleansed my sin, that heals me, that restores me, that sets my life right. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is Lord. And I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord today. Lead me in truth in righteousness, in the plan that you have for me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me and guide me in life. Speak to me. Help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we just gave him the invitation to do all the things that he wants to do. <laughs> amen. Well, refocus. We're going to do it. So tonight, 
make sure you come back. We're having the praise and worship night. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, invite somebody to come. These are times where we really get to experience him, but these are great things to invite people to uh, because a night of, of music and worship where the presence of God is here, they're bound to be touched. So uh, invite somebody to come, and let's say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus. Far, exceeds far exceeds any damage done to me. By Adam's fall. By Adam's fall. Amen.